This is the fourth Sunday in the season of Advent, the four lit candles waiting for the one light we love the most. It will shine on Christmas Eve 3, 4, 37, and 9. The online experience will hit the interwebs by about noon. Invite your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your classmates, your colleagues, your neighbors, the people you love and the people you don't like all that much, all to hear the story of a God's heart so full of love he would send his own son, the infant child, to the Bethlehem manger to save the world. That's Friday, Christmas Eve. This is Sunday, the fourth in Advent. I've been inviting, encouraging, hoping you'll memorize this Advent season, the prologue to the Gospel of John, John 1, 1 through 18. I'm sure you've got it down cold, so let me just zero our heart's affection on one verse. Verse 16. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. What a great line. What great hope. From his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. You wake up to the same stories I do, stories of sadness and despair, hurt and heartache all across the world. What would it be like to wake up to this? Grace upon grace virus infecting and politics frustrating and anxiety swirling. What about grace upon grace? Racial injustice still real, depression still hounding for so many, hearts breaking in so many different places. What if this is true, grace upon grace? What if that's the really real? What if that's the plumb line by which Everything else is measured grace upon grace. It reminds me of a song I think you like. Yet in thy dark street shining the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Grace upon grace. Luke, the third gospel writer, fleshes out, and I'm using that word very carefully, fleshes out the details of John's grace upon grace announcement. Listen to this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came and said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary was perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. Even now, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is now the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. 
Mary said, here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Luke 1, 26 through 38. John says, grace upon grace, Luke announces the angel was sent by God. John says, grace upon grace, the angel announces he will be great. John says, grace upon grace, Mary heard nothing will be impossible with God. The world swirls with so many heartbreaking, sad stories of division and dysfunction, things out of our control wreaking havoc on the things we think we can control, and so many are throwing up their hands in concession, but what if from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace? What if that's true? What if that's real? A couple of things from Luke's story, then we'll head to the table. The unrelenting pursuit of God the stunning beauty of Jesus and a crazy good word for your life. First, the unrelenting pursuit of God. Here's how the story starts. In the sixth month, this is verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God, sent by God. God won't stop. God won't quit. God will not relent until his purposes in the world are finally realized and everything is made new, you too. God is even willing to send angels to get the job done. The preaching rhythm at Pillar, maybe you've noticed, we follow something called the narrative lectionary. It's our way of broadening our hearts to the whole scope of the biblical witness, the whole breadth of God's heart of love rather than the few things that I might have on my heart and mind. So if you've been around Pillar, you've heard the the sweeping story of God's salvation. You know how it goes. In the beginning, God made everything. Out of his heart of love, he made everything. Out of nothing, he made everything. But something tragic happened. We call it the fall, and the world was sent stumbling and tripping all over itself. But God wouldn't stop. God wouldn't quit. He showed up to the first man and the first woman and clothed them with garments of skin from the shame of their nakedness. But the world kept spiraling in wickedness. But God wouldn't stop. God wouldn't quit. He showed up to Noah with an ark and Abram and Sarah with a promise and Isaac with a ram and Jacob with a dream and Esther with the perfect moment and Ruth with a family and Isaiah with a promise, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. God would not stop. God won't quit. He came to David with five smooth stones and Elijah with a bonfire for the ages and Moses with a freedom journey that sets us all loose. God simply won't quit. Bread in the wilderness, water from the rock, he will not stop until he sent an angel called Gabriel announcing another sending. The infant child who would go the way of the Bethlehem town, swaddling clothes in shepherd fields and wise men's stars. The manger would become the cross and the cross would become the grave. And in that darkness, a light would shine so bright no any other darkness could ever overcome it in the power of the resurrection. God simply will not stop. Though the the stories that swirl in our lives and in our world may 
bring our heads down and our shoulders hunched and our hearts in our stomachs. The better story, the true story, the real story is the story of a God who won't quit, who won't stop until everything is made new, including you. When I was a college student, my chaplain and mentor for a long time was named Paul Borsma. He's now a dear friend of mine. It seemed like with some regularity in his preaching, he would refer to God as the hound of heaven, which was an interesting phrase for me to hear, an interesting image for me to think about. I learned later he was referring to a poem by Francis Thompson, a Catholic mystic who himself in his younger years dealt with an addiction to opium before there was an opioid crisis. He wrote a poem titled Hound of Heaven. Listen to this. I fled him. Down the nights and down the days, I fled him. Down the arches of the years, I fled him. Down the labyrinth and ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears, I hid from him. And under running laughter, up vistaed hopes I sped and shot precipitated adown titanic glooms of chasmed fears from those strong feet that followed, followed after, but with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy they beat. I love that. That's so good. The hound of heaven. God will not stop. God will not quit until finally everything is made right. He even sends angels. And it all sounds to me like from his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. What if that's true? The unrelenting pursuit of God and the stunning beauty of Jesus. I mean, the angel goes, way out of his way to talk about Jesus. Verse 32, he will be great. He will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there'll be no end. He goes on to say he'll be holy. He'll be called the son of God. The angel goes way out of his way from whatever realms of glory angels play pickup in to a dusty town with rocky streets to a woman named Mary and a man named Joseph to announce the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. He's so stunningly beautiful. There's been a story, a kind of conversation throughout history around the virgin birth. Some say The virgin birth was about the purity of Mary. Jesus wasn't born of some sort of carnal human desire. But the angel doesn't seem to make that point. The angel says the the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. Maybe it's less about Mary's purity and more about Jesus' divinity. Maybe the angel can't stop talking about just how beautiful Jesus actually is. How about the Nicene Creed, if you've heard of it? Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. In other words, he's just so beautiful. But if you're not into creeds, how about the catechism, the one we call Heidelberg? Christ alone is the eternal, natural Son of God. The catechism shouts and all God's people said, amen. He's just so beautiful. Beautiful, but if you don't like the catechism, how about the text I got from a friend of mine at 6.58 a.m. on Tuesday morning? Here's the text. Am I in the ballpark? 
The person of Jesus Christ, the eternally pre-existent, preeminent, life-giving, life-sustaining, creator of all things, against whom the life-destroying forces of evil cannot prevail. I don't know what you were thinking about at 6.58 a.m. on Tuesday morning, but he was thinking about the stunning beauty of Jesus Christ. He's just so beautiful. In this world swirling with chaos, where things outside of our control wreak havoc on the things we think we can control, where people hurt because people hurt them, Jesus Christ stands alone. Jesus Christ stands beautiful. When I was a young pastor, I came across a video by an African-American pastor from Southern California, a Baptist pastor named S.M. Lockridge. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge was his full name. The video was titled, That's My King. I fell in love with it. I thought you might like to see just a few seconds of it. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies... If that doesn't make the hair in the back of your neck stand up, I don't know what will. The stunning beauty of Jesus Christ and all of it reminds me of from his fullness. We have all received grace upon grace. What if that is true? The unrelenting pursuit of God, the stunning beauty of Jesus and a crazy good word for your life. Back to the beginning of the story, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So many details, such specific detail in the sixth month, like June, or in the the Hebrew calendar of the first century, the month called Elul. Not Bible times, not ancient history, real time where real things happen, you know, like political tension and health crises and anniversaries and birthdays and all the things that happen in time. This is real time. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, a real place. I've been there. Nazareth, with its rocky streets and its dusty roads, with the hills just off in the distance and the smell of the Sea of Galilee so close. A real town with social dynamics that welcome some and make it hard for others. With people trying to do their jobs or maybe looking for new jobs. A real place. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to Nazareth to a man named Joseph and a woman named Mary. Real people with real names. Mary, the young and unsuspecting woman who wasn't quite sure she was ready to be a mom, let alone the mother of God. And Joseph, just a bit older, a carpenter too, who was just trying to love his fiancee, but she was pregnant and that could get real awkward real fast. Real people. 
Real people trying to live their lives, stumble along, make their way through their days, carrying their worries, hoping their hopes. Real people, the whole point I'm trying to get at, the crazy good word for your life, the, the unrelenting pursuit of God, the stunning beauty of Jesus Christ takes place in real time, in real places, with real people. Like, I don't know, you and me and us in West Michigan in December or Joss, Nigeria in 2021 or in Asheville, North Carolina, I heard you're dialing in or somewhere in Oregon or somewhere in Wisconsin or wherever it is you are, the stunning beauty of Jesus Christ, the unrelenting pursuit of God shows up there. And it all sounds to me like from his fullness, we've all received Grace upon grace, what if that's true? Grace upon grace. You watch the same news I do, you hear the same stories of hearts breaking because people break them, of division and devastation and destruction and hurt of all kinds, but what if that's only a mere fraction of the story? What if the real story, the fuller story, is the story of grace upon grace, grace outdoing grace, grace upon grace, grace outrunning grace, grace outgracing grace, heaping bushel baskets of grace. Your life is covered in grace. Reminds me of a song I think you love. Yet in thy dark street shining the everlasting light the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, he just won't stop. He, he will not quit. Unrelenting, so unrelenting, he would send his son, Jesus Christ, the beautiful one, to become like we are so that we could become like he is, the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. If you believe Jesus is Lord and acknowledge him as Savior, you are welcome to partake in this way today. Maybe grab some wine and some bread, some juice and some crackers. If you're not at that place in life or faith, if you're home for the holidays and got wrapped into this online service and you're carrying all sorts of hesitations and resistances, if you're up for it, I'd love to hear some of your questions. My, name, uh, my email is john, J-O-N, at pillarchurch.com. I'd love to get together. For those who are prepared to celebrate communion, the ensemble will lead us.